Hello and welcome to Experience Share. It's Pokemon Podcast starring me, Tanazel. Salazzle. Could have like dug deeper into the catalog this week, but I really like sticking with sort of the totem adjacent ones if I can. Yeah, I think that's what you should do. We talked about that. It's like confine yourself creatively and then you'll, you know, find the sweet spot. You get it. AKA Tanner Greenring, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Joshua. Marowak. I know. What do you want from me? It's kind of whack, yeah. AKA Joshua Fjellstedt. And we are joined for the first time by our co-host, author of Monster Kids, Kangastan. That's a good one. Oh, I like that one. (laughs) AKA Daniel Dockery. Welcome to the show. Do you ever go by Dan or should I should I have gone with Kangas Daniel? <laughs> uh nah. Dan's okay. It's whatever. Any okay. any version of the name Dan or Daniel works for me. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're here bright and early in the morning on a Wednesday. Uh a new time slot for us, but you know, I'm feeling it. It feels like I'm out in the sunshine of Alola, like feeling the the rays wash over me on the sandy crystal sandy shores of alola just metaphorically because you're also in your it's like 30 degrees in connecticut basement yeah which is unheated (laughs) (laughs) and i'm also in the office that has no light in here as well so i have no idea what's going on out there to be honest (laughs) daniel you have penned a incredible book thank you about essentially half a decade in all of our lives where all of us were totally absorbed by pokemon and all of the pokemon offshoots including Yu-Gi-Oh, Cardcaptor, Sakura. Uh, <laughs> what are some of the other ones? We've done so many like fake ads for all of these. Digimon. Monster Kids. Yep. Let's talk about it. What inspired you to write a book about sort of the early history of the monster collecting genre? So I've always been a fan of monster collecting games. I've always been a fan of monsters. Uh, I was a huge Godzilla and dinosaur kid growing up. And so when Pokemon came along, which was like, hey, there's 150 of these little things and they can be your friend. I was like, oh, can they now? <laughs> so um, I, uh, I immediately latched onto that. It was a great Venn diagram of like my love of monsters and my love of getting like obsessed with things. And uh, it combined to be, you know, in late elementary school to early, you know, middle school, kind of like the North Star of all of my nerdy aspirations oh yeah and likewise for 90 percent of yeah 12 year old population at the time apparently did you go all in like did you do both the video games and the card games like what was your your first what was your poison of choice my poison was the uh probably it started with the anime because you know as i detail in the book four kids in nintendo of america uh, did a marketing blitz yeah. for this thing. And my, I distinctly remember, and I write in the book, like the first time I ever saw it was like a sticker uh, of like, Pokemon, gotta catch them all. And like a, a, a decrepit Kmart in North Carolina. The alluring call of Beedrill. Yeah. You're like, oh, I gotta learn more about that. <laughs> no, that thing. There we go. That's the that's the mascot right there. No, I I remember um, before it became on Kids WB, the Pokemon anime would air at like 6.30 in the morning on syndication. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I watched that, woke up for that. I distinctly remember at like 6 a.m. the Pokemon commercial being uh, being narrated by Eric Stewart, who who did the Brock uh, and James, eventually James video of like, can Ash catch him, catch all 150 Pokemon? <laughs> and like, and, and escape, team, rockets, treacherous tricks, Pokemon <laughs> at an ungodly hour. My bedroom was off of the main living room in the basement of our, like downstairs of our house when I was a kid. And I used to set the TV to turn on and turn on loudly at 6 a.m. <laughs> so that Pokemon would wake me up and like make me come out of my bedroom. That's beautiful. <laughs> I guess, I guess I didn't think about it at the time, but woke surely woke everyone else in the house up too. Yeah, I'm sure your family loved that too. <laughs> It was the anime that first, like, that first captured me. And that was kind of the idea of the fact that, like, it came out about two and a half weeks before the games did. So the anime was really, like, the teaser taster of, like, you know, getting kids into it, buying into this game franchise that they had no possible prior experience with. Yeah, that was one of the most interesting aspects of the book. Because I, like, at the time, I don't remember, like, I wasn't savvy enough to understand that, you know, the anime was part of the marketing for the show. 
I was exposed to the video game first. Like I had Blue first and then I started watching the show. But it was very interesting then to read in the book about how like, oh, it was always like kind of like laying the foundation for like priming kids for getting ready for like the actual shill, you know? Yeah. No, it's super, uh, it's super interesting, especially like, you know, at the time I had no, I had no idea what it meant to import media from another country. I had no idea what the process of localizing, localizing, not just an anime or a video game, an entire franchise, but it kind of, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why everybody, a lot of people were kind of taken aback by it is because, uh, you know, if you have no concept of that, you typically think of things growing in a very basic structure. Like the video games are obviously like the core beating heart of Pokemon and everything else kind of revolves around that sun. Sure. But uh, in, you know, like let's say that like in America, franchise is being built. They take whatever normally the biggest aspect of it emerges first, whether it's a movie or a comic book or a TV show. And then if that gets popular, then like stuff gets they expand more and more into different territories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Pokemon, where the anime is essentially, like everything else, kind of a commercial for the games, it showing up first is kind of a perfect representation of Pokemon's aims, where, you know, you have this big, grand, animated marketing ploy showing up uh, as the first thing uh, before the games. It's so surprising to me because, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this daniel yeah the stories in pokemon animes and pokemon games are so bad (laughs) and it's so surprising that the anime was a vehicle for this like huge like worldwide phenomenon considering like i've seen a few episodes of the first season of the anime pretty boring well i also think it's it's funny that it's like I guess depending on your disposition in general, it's like I got into anime more broadly as a result of the Pokemon show, even though it's like not that good. (laughs) I mean, I would defend the first couple of seasons, but I was a kid. So like, I don't know. I remember those fondly, but like, I mean, it is a kid's show. I think sometime after like the Orange Islands season, uh, which was like. Didn't you say, Daniel, like that was like they made basically made that up while they were buying time before Gold and Silver? I yeah, think? they were trying to uh, the the Orange Islands, the entire uh, genesis behind that is basically like, OK, Gold and Silver got delayed. Like, what can we have like Ash Ketchum hang out yeah. for a little while, spin his wheels for a bit? Even as a kid, I was like, I don't know about this. And I started not, you know, admiring it as much. But I got into like. Hiyao Miyazaki and like like it, yeah, it was weird. Sure. It was like this isn't that yeah. good. Well, you also talk about like tsunami and stuff like that. Definitely happened yeah. alongside yeah, like yeah. the whole Pokemon thing. Like anime really made a splash in the U.S. around this time too. But yeah, but you clearly like have some love for the story of Pokemon. Like, what is so appealing about it for you? So when you create something like Pokemon, you're not really creating a TV show. You like you create a TV show. If you wanted something that would like last a long time and have like a typical narrative arc of a typical and a satisfying character arc, you wouldn't have it be like, okay, we're gonna have an episode. In this episode, Ash meets a Pokemon and then he's friends. And the next episode, Ash meets another Pokemon and then he's friends. Yeah. And the next episode, Ash meets another Pokemon and then he's friends. <laughs> Sounds great to me. <laughs> um <laughs> But if you're trying to, like, create a pillar that kind of advertises a wider thing and, like, gets people to, like, buy more games or buy more cards in the hopes that they can, like, eventually catch them all in regards to all these new little monsters being introduced, it's a pretty effective formula. Yeah. The narrative arc of the Pokemon uh, anime isn't the strongest. (laughs) Well put. But I do – there are little bits in it that I think are – kind of cool mostly early on yeah as the anime goes on and on it's probably because i grew up and grew out of it yeah but growing up there was this weird story about this uh this like brash kind of goofy kid who's basically learning to kind of be a bearable person to be around <laughs> is uh i thought it, i think it's kind of yeah. neat the arc especially that it tries to tell in early episodes is that from my take is that despite all of the like, I'm going to be a Pokemon master, I'm going to be the very best and whatever, is that uh, Ash slash Satoshi doesn't grow better than other people. I write about this book. He doesn't grow better than other people. He grows better because of other people. Yeah. Both other people and other Pokemon 
uh, the whole you teach me and I teach you thing. And I think that's probably the strongest aspect of it, because if you watch it on like an episode by episode basis using even other anime <laughs> as like the contrasting point, you're like, well, Barometer. this is not going yeah. very many places, huh? <laughs> I mean, other than Jesse and James, who were great. No, Team Rock is fantastic. They're the best part of the show. Yeah, they still hold up. But yeah, it's uh, Pokemon is built as a vehicle for Pokemon rather than as a vehicle for the narrative. Right, 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 right. I guess what I learned from the book, one of the things I learned was that Pokemon Company was sort of like steering into it the entire time that like, oh, we're just going to go ahead and like keep the anime and the manga and the games all separate canons. Like maybe there's overlap, but like we're going to kind of let everybody like go a little hog wild and like not really oh, worry yeah. about it. I mean, and we read that first manga that you talk about in the book, Daniel, the like wild oh, yeah. one that's like the first one. None of the Pokemon look like they're supposed to look like. And Ash looks like and a Clefairy's like, yeah, they're all taking dumps and pulling out their genitals. And <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird read. It's very it's like more similar to this podcast. You can't you can't really imagine that kind of thing like emerging for the first time in like today's Pokemon climate, because Pokemon like one thing that it's become known for is that it's got like impenetrable branding yeah there is no franchise on earth and that's why it's become like the highest grossing like media franchise of all time but there's no franchise on earth that's so good at do you enjoy this you might like this do you like this you might like this right which can be a little bit of an indictment especially if you don't like the formula that pokemon creates across each of its different pillars yeah even pokemon adventures like the the manga that everybody kind of like really praises as like the closest thing that we have to like an an, ad, an adaptation of the games the real manga for the game it's right? really good um especially the first few volumes i really like it but it's um even that is like super different from what you'd find in the games or in the cards or whatever and somehow they like everything can be super different and all still basically serve as one huge bit of synergy right well, i mean while we're on the topic of pokemon adaptations um josh has a big list of questions he's added to our like show notes here <laughs> cool and i've lost track of who added which questions but just go for the it the top one here is are you worried you'll be labeled a coward for not broaching the subject of the pokemon <laughs> fan art community in your book <laughs> and it's signed um it's just signed f a t Tanner, or sorry, F A T. No, sorry, Fur Affinity. T no, wait. <laughs> Fur Affinity Admin, F A A T. Yeah, that's what it's signed off as. Yeah, well, there's only one Fur Affinity Admin on this podcast. So, <laughs> I had a pretty strict word count for this book. It was like it was, <laughs> when I when I signed the contract, it was between like sixty five to seventy. K words, and I had to fight for like 72. You could have cut all the Digimon stuff to make room for it. <laughs> I, I personally think I could not have told the Pokemonian story without talking about Digimon, and I wouldn't. I, you know, if somebody wants to write a book that doesn't have the Digimon stuff in, you write that book. As someone who came into the Pokemon, like Pokemon came out in 1998 for all intents and purposes in North yeah. America, and I was 14. Like, I was on the tail end of being like yeah. too old for Pokemon. So, like, I played the first couple Pushing games it, yeah. and watched the first like season of the anime, and then I was done with. With Pokemon until Josh made me start re-recording a pod, <laughs> recording a podcast about it in my mid thirties. Really had to twist your arm. And yeah. It's genuinely surprising how sexy the Pokemon are and how much of a huge <laughs> fan art community there is around. <laughs> how sexy these Pokemon are and non-sexual too, to be fair. But yes, it's a pretty large amount <laughs> in terms of fan art and fan community. I did look at a lot of. Often uh, very, uh, very clumsy Pokemon fan art uh, from when it first emerged. <laughs> For research. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing that I realized, because when I'm dealing with something like that and you're publishing a book and you don't want to, you don't want to, first of all, you don't want to step on any company's toes uh, because Nintendo and the Pokemon company can deliver a lawsuit like the hand of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We have the merch takedown emails to prove it. Yeah. I mean, that's why it was like this epic battle to get Tanner's You Make Me Barf shirt on our merch store because it kept getting taken down, which is like a compliment in one 
sense where it's like, oh, so you know who we are, but then it's also like, come on, man, like, <laughs> like it's the same for the book. It's like you're honoring the legacy of this, and like you can't both be litigious and then also, you know, they they don't really ever sanction like you know an unofficial history. Like they're not really interested in any no. of that either. No, it's but the one thing I also figured out pretty fast is that I remember I had another section that was about. If you remember watching Kids WB as a child, oh, yeah. and they'd do all these little like crossovers where it'd be like, ah, Ash Ketchum and Yugi Moto have a fart contest. Whoa, sounds awesome. <laughs> and I had a whole thing about that because that was really common is that it'd be a licensing nightmare now. But uh, they do all these questions and I had a long thing describing it. And then I read back over it. And the weird thing about like describing visuals is when you get down in like the like on like a sentence by sentence basis it sounds so boring and it makes it sound <laughs> far more boring than it actually is and so i ended up taking a lot of stuff where i described visuals out even when it comes to the games because what is magical like if you know what it looks like or like yeah. bizarre or horrendous when you describe it in a book it just comes off as like boring Especially if you don't have like a visual reference for it. Yeah. There was some stuff about fan art and fan community, uh, especially creation uh, back then and like how a lot of old fan websites looked. But I ended up taking them out because I was just like, it would drag everything to a crawl as I tried to like minutely explain uh, what would be far more uh, interesting by just like them looking it up on their own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we... Uh, we have that struggle as well as uh, audio format. Yeah. We have to know before we send you over to moderate our teams. Cool. What is Daniel Dockery's sweetie and what is Daniel Dockery's you make me barf Pokemon? Yeah, just from the full lineup of Pokemon. My sweetie. Define that however you want. It's up to you. Josh changes the rules every week. Oh, this Pokemon is definitely, this Pokemon is is my favorite. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be that they're cute. It's that they can be admirable for any reason. Okay. You know? my Well, my favorite and also because their giant sweetheart is uh, Dragonite. Okay. Because... I see it. Respectable. Respecte. It has not changed uh, since I first got into Pokemon and I saw the episode Mystery of the Lighthouse. Yeah. Where a giant Dragonite destroyed a lighthouse and then like just lonely, lonely walked back into the ocean. And then uh, I got it in the games. It was super cool in the games. It was like, I am become death as soon as that thing showed up in Lance's team. <laughs> With its like really like ominous sprite. Oh, yeah. And then it shows up in Pokemon, the first movie, with its cute little messenger bag. Yeah, yeah. It's such a little cutie. I do love that one, too. Yeah, it's just a... <laughs> I just thought it was such a cool balance between like, hey, here's this all-powerful Pokemon that's just kind of like a beanbag chair. Um, and I really like that. That's my sweetie. Yeah, it's kind of got like a, a Bernese mountain yeah, dog yeah. or like St. Bernard, like big dog energy where it's sort of like. No, it's like trying to like sit on you in the chair. Doesn't have any idea how big it is. And it's just kind of like trying to relax. <laughs> All right. Now you have to tell us which Pokemon makes you barf every time you see it. Oh, man. You know, what's the uh, what's what's that <laughs> grass starter from the sixth generation X and Y? Um, you would think we would know that right off the top of our heads, considering we just did that. Oh, oh, um, the little chestnut. Uh, Chesbit. It turns into like a big mummy, spiky cactus mummy, raccoon. That becomes chestnut. Yeah, what the hell is it? Uh, Chespin. Chespin. I don't like Chespin. <laughs> I agree with that. I don't like that whole line. And I'm usually sort of a defender of like, I think the grass starters generally are pretty solid. You, like stable. I've come around on a lot of Chesnot's terrible. I've come around on a lot of designs I didn't like. Like I didn't like Oshawott at first, and now I kind of like Oshawott. It's grown on me. The little otter from Gen Five, but yeah, and it's it's anime persona. I think that one. There's like you know the meme yeah. sort of of like when it's it looks like it's about to like pontificate, and then like somebody's <laughs> pointing at it. I'll put it on our our Twitter. Yep, Oshawott's grown on me because of that. I draw the line at Chessman. I don't like it. I don't think it's good. <laughs> good. Do you have like five minutes to to sort of look over our teams and tell us what you think from a cultural perspective, I guess? Yeah. Parrothead, why don't you start? Okay. Okay. We'll just do level check right here. So Parrothead, 
who is assembling his flock to go about the Alolan Islands and uh, find like-minded uh, Pokemon who just want to chill, has Bubba, who is MVP this week, because we were in a fire zone uh, on that uh, oh, yeah. Wheela Volcano Park. Slowpoke Bubba is level 23. Woo. Then we got Hoot is Dartrix, level 27, speaking of grass starters earlier. And then Tango the Trumbeak is level 21. We got Fruitcakes the Noibat, level 23. And then Cheeseburger the Munchlax, level 23. And Jimmy the Pikachu is level 27. When does Munchlax evolve? I honestly meant to look that up because... I fear it must be something strange. Uh, I've never run a Snorlax, and I've never, certainly never uh, evolved, evolved it one. from a Munchlax. It's just, it's a friendship. Okay. So what do you think, Daniel? The theme is chill island Pokemon. Okay. Does this team feel like it's resonating in that theme? We're both going kind of NPC this season. We're trying to immerse ourselves in the Alolan experience. We're on, well, I'm on island time. I think it definitely feels pretty chill. All right. I will say that the the one thing that stuck out to me is uh, you have three flying things on there. <laughs> well, I'm Parrothead. <laughs> the Dartrix, the uh, the Trumbeak, and Noibat, which is very much like a guy on the beach being like, they're like, you should craft a good team. And it's like, all right, <laughs> there we go. Got to catch them all. Yeah. Bird keeper. Yeah. It's very, it's a vacation team. Because if you were if you were like really really like trying to be like like this is gonna be my competitive team, you'd be like, mm, I don't want three flyings. I need to balance my thing out. And I usually don't even have a flying type. You ran a Talo to like level like sixty last season. Well, that was a wedlock. <laughs> I was and I thought it was funny. Slash, I thought I would be able to clear that uh, contest with it and then that never happened we didn't talk about that never made it to the end of master rank or whatever i also like the fact that um that you have a munchlax with that might evolve into a snorlax <laughs> based on knowledge you don't have yet just going with the flow man <laughs> that's yeah that's very uh that's very that's very chill about it because you know if you watch like hardcore pokemon players play they'll like they know everything that's going to come up so they play according to like the teams they want to have but having a munchlax that's just kind of like yeah. a bro that might <laughs> yeah, become yeah. a story. Like, maybe. Say not going to force it. Island time, baby. Exactly. Well, I'm playing the, the counter to Parrot Head. Yeah. Very much bad vibes. Uh, it's my villain arc. It's my villain season. Skullgrunt <laughs> is aspiring to take over Team Skull. He thinks it's a clown car operation, and he wants to sort of, like, get it, whip it into shape. All dark, poison, and mean Pokemon, starting with Mirror B, Lycanroc. Level 26. The mean Lycanroc. Oh, you got it. Yeah. It looks like a Crash Bandicoot. It's like the, what is it, Midnight or whatever? Like the, yeah, the, the dark midnight one. form. Yeah. Yeah. Admin Courtney, Alolan Grimer. Still waiting for that thing to evolve into a muck. Takes forever. Especially if you never play it because it's a bad Pokemon. Giovanni, <laughs> Toracat, level 28. Commander Mars, Low Punny, level 27. A newcomer to the team, Colress. Charge a bug. Oh. Level 27. Okay. And we'll we'll get into some bad guy shit around Charge a bug a little bit later. And then another newcomer to the team, Mabel, Cubone, level 26, which we'll have to discuss later too, Joshua. What do you think? Is that feeling bad? Yeah, is that bad to the bone? That gives me vibes. Have you ever been on vacation and uh, you're with your friends and you're like, everything's going so great. There's no responsibilities to my life for the whole weekend. Let's go bar hop. Yeah. yeah. And then you like run into like a mean townie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's the vibe I get from this one is that the beach is going really good and you decide to go to like. Yeah, this is the crowd. A dive bar that's way divier than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> but you're on vacation. So you're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All your friends are like, we should go back to the hotel. And you're like, no, I'm going to go to Joey's. And you go there and like a guy, you immediately get there. And for no reason, somebody would start, wants yeah. to start a fight with you. And it kind of ruins the vacation. Ordering. They're like, we don't serve pineapple juice here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> you want you get a chaser with that? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Especially because Team Skull is the very like a uh, towny shithill vibe. Oh, definitely. Uh, for now, we're cleaning things up a little bit. Skullgrunt's getting in there. He's working on stuff. Yeah, it'll get there. It'll it'll be on the up and up. 
But for right now, the vibe I get is like somebody that like comes up to me and is like, did you spill your drink on me? And I'm like, I've never, I don't drink anything. I've never met you. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, my trip to Myrtle Beach is ruined. <laughs> yeah, good reference. <laughs> and why haven't, why haven't they set a Pokemon game in Myrtle Beach yet is beyond me. <laughs> That'd be amazing. All right, Daniel, we will let you go now, and we will talk about the remainder of this leg. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tell Thank people you. where they can find you online, where they can buy Monster Kids. It's an incredible book. Everyone go buy it. There's a whole chapter called, what did I, I marked a chapter here, and I was like, this is enough to buy the book alone. Battle Blobs for Boys. Beautiful. So if that doesn't convince you to buy the book, I don't know what will. <laughs> It is a great read. Yeah, I'm, I'm Daniel Docker. You can find me on the slowly disintegrating Twitter uh, <laughs> at Dan Doc, D-A-N-D-O-C-K. I have a newly created Substack, which I, I send out little short posts every morning that for some reason is way less anxiety inducing than like wondering if like social media is going to collapse. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find Monster Kids on Pokemon Tata Generation to catch them all pretty much wherever books are sold on the running press side on Barnes and Noble on Amazon on in a lot of like independent bookstores. Hell yeah. Request that your local library gets it or order it online through your favorite independent bookstore. Yeah. That's my preference. It really is great. It's going to send you right back to 1998 through 2002, essentially. Yeah. So everyone go pick it up and check it out. As Tanner has said, I'm the lore master on this podcast, except for this episode when Daniel joined us. But uh, as somebody who loves like history and and reading about easter eggs and lore from games it was like really a joy it's like uh it's uh surprisingly fast-paced like you you want to keep reading it even though it is like history you know cool thank you something that's like right in the sweet spot for me so well done i appreciate that daniel thanks for joining us alola and we'll smell you later alola alola When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where are we? We're here. We're here. <laughs> we we just got off the phone with Daniel Dockery. Now we're here talking about our experience, our leg, our our root. Yes, yes, that's it. As you know, we play through each Pokemon game root by root, week by week. How did that feel? Not good. I just don't think I can say root with enough like <laughs> clarity. Do we have to just stick with gym by gym? I mean, it is still. I don't know. I mean, this season it's trial by trial. This season it's trial by trial. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that sounds almost poetic. It almost sounds Shakespearean. Trial by trial. If you think about it, in real life, we're all just living week by week and trial by trial. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And we're all just sharing our experience. We're recording in the morning, so now maybe I've hit the cusp of I had too much coffee and now it's like the come down. We've toweled off after our experience at Brooklet Hill and we're bombing our way back down route six the there there have been some artificial the game this game doesn't even bother with the artificial barriers they're just like yep here's an artificial barrier yeah here's three pseudo wudos <laughs> they won't move until they see the waterium z crystal i we just don't know what to do exactly and she just explicitly lana del rey is like uh all right now that you have this waterium z those pseudo-wudos that you probably saw will go away. They'll be scared of it. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, it's a pretty explicit signposting. You're like, all right. And then you go down there and, and you take an immediate right and a guy's there and he's like, sorry, my Stoutlin and I are doing a pretty exhaustive search of the bridge. So yeah, you can't go this way. It's like, great. I guess I'll go the other way. Like, buddy, I'm on a Stoutland also at this point. Why can't I give it a sniff and try to find some shit? Yeah, I'm really good at it. Unbelievable. So, yeah, we're, it's it's a pretty, like, um, a quick run down this way. But we do meet our next, not our next, no, I assume a future trial captain. Yeah. Hapu? I don't know. It's some kind of haunted doll. Yeah, very weird energy. And I remember this when I 
She's one of the characters, the few characters that I remember from this game when I played Sun originally years and years ago. The vibes are very off with Hapu. What is she? Is she like a little prairie lass? Well, she's certainly a little prairie lass. She rides a, what's this, a Mudsdale? Yeah, she's got the Mudsdale. Do you still not like it now that you got to see it? No, hate it. Don't like the line. Okay. I don't like it. I think it's too bulky. I think it's weird little like executor mask makes it look like a... It looks like a wrestler from the like late 90s. <laughs> I don't know that that's a bad thing, but okay. Okay, let me rephrase. It looks like a bad wrestler from the late 90s. How about that? Fine. Fine. And I don't like Hapu. No, I don't really. I Hapu is very strange. She's being bullied by your colleagues at Team Well, your hopeful colleagues, eventual colleagues, Team Skull. Eventual underlings. That's right, yeah. Uh, who are trying to, like, take a Drifloon. Yeah, why? Lord knows. It unlocks the line for me. I didn't know we were interested in Drifloons, but we are. Yeah, I mean, well, they kidnap children and just fly away with them and drop them, presumably, you know, over the depths of the ocean or something. So they already felt yeah, like the sport. they're bad guys. Yeah, of course, of course. The other thing here is... Oh, bad guy shit. Oh, okay. There's so many Eevees here. I thought like Eevees were like a rarity, you know? They feel rare. They feel so powerful. Yeah, they are usually until It's so odd you know, to have like, <laughs> such Eevee such e sorry, such EV access to them. <laughs> Such easy access to them. Good. Uh, I was just catching them for sport. I guess this is the generation where they they really steer into Eevee as like this like hot it. thing. Because we get Let's Go Eevee uh, later uh, as well. I'm just going to say this now. I'm a Let's Go Eevee man. Oh, okay. So you're just claiming it. Okay. Absolutely. I think I prefer Eevee as a, a character and as a mascot for Pokemon to Pikachu. Wow. On its own, it's already an incredibly cute Pokemon. And feels original, you know? It doesn't feel like something that's copied from something else. It just feels original, doesn't it? What's Pikachu copied from? No, I'm not. I'm saying in the same way as Pikachu. I'm, I'm thinking of, of Eevee as a successor to Pikachu, I think. Oh, I see. I think I would say with Eevee, there's something that's, like, poetic or, like, encouraging about it that, yeah. you know, you can choose your own path. Once you evolve it, it can be whatever you want it to be, you know, rather than like forcing you down this this one path. And it'll probably be a pretty good Pokemon unless it's Flareon. <laughs> what did you see on Route 6? It's a, it's, a, it's a short leg, but it's a potent one because there's a lot of story beats and there's all of Royal Avenue that we have to get to in a little bit. So, Well, the one thing that I saw on Route 6 that I liked was Joshi Sweetie. Ooh. <laughs> Dancer Mika's Oricorio, which was in the, the Pa'au form. Yeah, you worried me earlier. We were texting, and you said that you potentially had a fur affinity check that you wanted to do, so I quickly scanned the sheet to see who your sweetie was. And I was troubled to see that it was Dancer Mika's Pa'au form Oricorio. And is that who you wanted to discuss? It's not Joshi's sexy mom. <laughs> okay, thank goodness. No, Pal is... uh it's got a little grass skirt on. Yeah, that's it. Little fans, little like palm fans. It's a delight. And I think if you see an Oricorio on Parrothead's team, I feel like Pal style is probably the most on point yeah. for both like being this chill yeah. vibes and just kind of like dancing and like Feeling it. going with whatever's happening. Tom DeLonge. Plus, it's, I enjoy that it's psychic as well. Psychic, I was going to ask if it was fairy or if it was psychic, because it has to be one of the two, because it's pink. Right. Here's a question for you. Okay. Genuinely curious about your opinion on this, despite the fact that we've already done level check and you already know I have one on my team. <laughs> right. Beauty Brittany's Cubone, which eventually becomes a lowland Marowak. My question for you is, is it a bad guy? Certainly bad. Okay. I mean... It, it looks nasty, right? It looks mean. It looks mean as hell. 
I don't know if there's anything in the lore that backs it up being like you just quoted about you quoted uh, Drifloon's Pokedex earlier. It's like, oh, Drifloon kills children. Isn't this sort of like both looking at it's sort of aesthetic and then also going to its Pokedex like lore is sort of like what you should be evaluating. That's what I was encouraging you about. I'm not trying. Listen, Jolteon. I'm running one. I have been running one. So okay, yeah. Once again, you made an executive decision. I mean, I just at some point, it's like I want this on my team, and I don't want to have to wait for. I'll, I could have texted you. I have texted you. Reverse engineer it about how it's bad. Marowak is a vault. Here's the Pokedex entry. This is Dex yourself. Poke checks yourself. I'm stealing your segment. I'm commandeering it. I'm the captain now. Okay. That one's a free-for-all. That doesn't have to only be me. Listen, look, look at Captain Phillips over here, her- heroically defending his segment. <laughs> oh, it's yours, sir. It was my idea and my pun. Just throw me in the emergency boat and I'll be <laughs> on my way. Marowak is the evolved form of a Cubone that has overcome its sadness at the loss of its mother and grown tough. This Pokemon's tempered and hardened spirit is not easily broken. Oh, it sounds kind of... Good. And I guess it's the spirit of its mother at the end of its bone sticks, right? Sure. Now you're making me think that it's good. That's why it was even a question. It looks nasty, right? Yeah. The cursed flame. Oh, here we go. Oh, it's a cursed flame. When it beats opponents with its... I was reading... That was the normal Marowak. Here's the Alolan Marowak. When it beats opponents with its bone, the cursed flame spreads to them. No amount of water will stop those flames from burning. Oh, that's like hellish. Jesus Christ. I've got like a lich on my team now. See, and that's again, like that's just so far in this direction that just makes it like, wait, so these Alolan Marowak are I don't even like know why it was a question. I, mean, I should have just looked this up. <laughs> I should have just read the entry. I can burn someone for eternity. Well. All right. Hell yeah. Speaking of. You're in the team. Speaking of lore and the anime like we were earlier actually i uh i come to you hat in hand tanner okay because our friend mike levine Mm -hmm. texted me some interesting information in regards to our last episode with polygraph oh is it a correction it appears that in the anime which i have also previously sanctioned as being something you should be able to consider when deciding whether or not something is a bad guy in the Alolan season of the anime. Yeah. In the episode Alola's Young Fire and Royal Satoshi's Birth, I guess is, you know, presumably the uh, Jesus. Japanese name for it. God, what are they doing over on the anime? <laughs> 2018 episode uh, in the Sun and Moon series, of course. There is a bad polygraph explicitly on like the Revengers, which is like in the actually the Royal Avenue, the Battle Royale, which we're about to get to. So very thematically, there's a bad polygraph. Like I said, it's a Pokemon that to me feels like it can just fly off the handle at any given, you know, nudge in that direction. Ooh, daddy likey. Let's see where we let's see where that goes, I think. If you want a polyrath, I think it's fine. I'll retract my previous ruling. Excited to see where to track that. Onward, Joshua, to Royal Avenue. We got to get down to Royal Avenue. Here it is. <laughs> We're sort of whisked away into a cutscene where a masked man who's like <sighs> the masked royal, the masked who's royal. in that episode of the anime too. Masked, but uh, prominently. I'd recognize those cum gutters anywhere, Joshua. As has become frequent, has become frequent in our adventure in Alola so far. No shirt. Yeah. I met several other people in this leg. Swimmer Dakota. Yeah. Kiaway, the trial captain, where Alola is very much abiding by. And, you know, Parrothead has no problem with this. No shirt, no shoes, no problem. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Fucking hell yeah. Admire those cum gutters. Yeah. I love it. Masked Royal is basically just got the mask and the shorts, unfortunately, and quite a lot to look at otherwise. I will just say, and I just I just want to say this for, you know, as a to cover our bases, 
I did examine every single sprite of his on Bulbapedia, and none of them do have any cum gutters on them. <laughs> that would be a. I was like, that'd be a step too far. That was just in a our imagination. <laughs> they stopped themselves. They had to pull that back. Yeah. Anyway, this guy is obviously Kukui. Yeah, even the dialogue when you meet the Masked Royal uh, is like, who are you? Or the other option is Professor? So yeah, this is Kukui, who is taking the opportunity to finally shed the uh, lab coat and just run amok. Here's the rest of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he runs this thing called Battle Royal. Battle Royale. It's not a royale. It's royal. Dumb. It's not... A royale, it's royal, and it's... Four-person battles! It's like hungry, hungry hippos, I guess. Yeah. And in my battle, everyone ganged up on Howie, and he died instantly. <laughs> like, I feel like the tutorial was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess we're done. Yeah, uh, mine was similar, where it was everybody ganging up on Gladian, and then just took out Noel, the Pokemon, because it's so ugly. Uh, and then it was over. You win the battle royal if whoever has the most Pokemon left standing, but in the tutorial, yeah. we all only have one Pokemon, and so if you take out one person, then it's, it's all over. over, so it's like, I didn't learn any of the value yeah. of this, and it just seems dumb, and it's a way of getting battle points, but why wouldn't I just Mantine Surf? Yeah, and I just, like, I don't like it, and I don't want to do it. No, I, I doubt I'll do it again. And I also just sort of want to codify while we're here how has a brion and i just want to say that it's my you make me barf pokemon of the week and the entire line is <laughs> i think it sucks yeah i don't like looking at it so i agree it's in the books i agree yep don't like it's the whole thing there's a few other shops and stuff out here as well the Mega Mart is out here. It seems like there's going to be some kind of scam at the Mega Mart, but yeah. it's not. There, You get a coupon. You get a cool coupon every time you go, and it gives you half off of like whatever the first thing you buy is, I think. Yeah, it's uh, actually a great deal here at the uh, Thrifty Mega Mart. Yeah. Parrothead thought that he was getting conned uh, these, like, by a couple of these hip... There's hypnos wandering around. These like pests. They're like sex pests. They're like out here like predators yeah i'm like this is a very strange mascot yeah. <laughs> for a superstore to have that's like hypnotizing people into buying things he or, hypnotizes you, know, you into giving him a bunch of money and you're sort of allowed to choose whether you want to give 10 100 or a thousand poker credits and i went for the full a thousand thinking like i went a thousand this poor pokemon has been like pressed into indentured servitude Needs help. Maybe he can buy his way out with this, you know? Right. Um, and it turns out it's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm not going to give you that thousand bucks back, but I'll give you this TM for rest. Yeah, he gives you rest. Which is useful, I guess. I guess. You know, thousand bucks. I wouldn't pay more than that, certainly, for that TM. But I had it. I'll take it. I had, the, I had the moolah. Yeah. Route 7 is like a partial water route and mercifully short and mercifully uneventful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing to say. And then we're on to the Wella Volcano Park. Yeah. Which is the, the arena for our, the trial for this episode. Kawaii. Kiawis. I think I was saying his name Kawaii last week. I think it's Kiawi. Kiawi. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Kiawi. His trial and the big uh, totem Pokemon this week. Yeah, the trial this week is quite interesting the trial this week was interesting it's like a mario party mini game it sure is where you have to just watch the marowax do a dance not just marowax josh not just marowax who else was there well the hiker yeah like hiker henry yeah he's got a hiker under his thrall <laughs> under kiawi's thrall i think it's probably the marowax with their like spirit they're the like like the like cursed bones possessing witches. it yeah they found like a simple mind that's right so you have to watch them do a dance and then you have to tell kiwi kiwi i'm saying it differently every time uh what what pattern they did and it's basically always them like spinning their bones around and then they end up like in some freeze frame they show you two pictures one of them is faced a different direction. 
And then occasionally this hiker shows up in them and then it's like, oh, what, you know, what was different about this? And it's like, oh, this Marowak was doing this or this hiker was, you know, had this expression on. You answer correctly every time because it's incredibly easy. Mm -hmm. And then you do um, a battle. And the first time it's with just a Marowak and then it's with the hiker. Yeah. And then you take on um, the totem Pokemon, which is an Alolan A big Marowak. Alolan Marowak and uh, the friend of the Marowak. Oh, it's Ally that it calls in every now and then. Is Salazzle. And uh, I know it's early. It's it's 1130 in the morning. But When I'm on the show, I'm on island time. I can't believe I'm the one who has to provoke this, but like, how is Salazzle not for affinity check? Oh, Jesus, Joshua. Look at that thing, Tanner. You have eyes? You got blood coursing through your veins? I think um, for me... Salazzle is a colleague being um, poison fire. You could definitely run this thing. Salazzle is... Look at those smoky eyes. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I caught a, I caught whatever Salazzle evolved. Salandit. Salandit. It's also, um, Salazzle's a girl boss. You're right. She looks like she's into, like, MLMs. Well, the, <laughs> the uh, Pokédex entry for Salandit is the males will do whatever the females tell them. They give the females most of their food. Due to malnutrition, the males can't evolve. Girl boss. <laughs> Salazzle's girl boss. Okay. Only evolves if it's a female. All right, let's go. Let's go. My fucking, like, internet provider is going to fucking, like, reach out to me. Greetings, Admin Tanner. Sir, it's 11.30 in the morning? <laughs> Don't you want to give it at least 12 hours? <laughs> um, who are we searching? Salazzle. Salazzle. I mean, I just feel like it speaks for itself. I mean, it, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Look at those hips. Those thighs. The very first one on mine has a salazzle with its tongue sticking out in a way that is like, whoa. So, like, upsettingly graphic oh yeah. oh i'm out of here joshua no way oh somebody even made a gif of it that's <laughs> oh, no, in diapers joshua i'm aborting oh they took enough time to make an animated i'm pulling the ripcord i'm out of here i need to talk to you about something and i need to talk about all right i need to talk right. to um <laughs> We're out. i need to talk to you and i need to talk to pokemon company and game freak about this it's a, it's a fucking intervention okay oh, okay all right related yes related and related to something else that we saw this week, which is um, back on Route 6. Yeah. I'm having an intervention with you, and I'm having an intervention with the creators of these games. Because there's too many... You've d done too many sexy Pokemon. <laughs> Intentionally done, like, sexy Pokemon. Like, their first, like... Uh, what does Volibi, Volibi evolve into? Mandibuzz. Mandibuzz? Yeah. The sexy vulture. And it's like, haha, we get it. Sexy Pokemon. And then you're like, how about this? A sexy salamander. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I get it. Really? We see what you're doing. Kind of pushing it to the limit, but. And then there's some farmer on Route 6 who has something called a bound suite, which is like a little turnip. Yeah, it's kind of a sweetie. And you're like, okay, maybe it evolves into something mean looking. And then I can have it on my team. Let's investigate. You go and look at the bound suite line. And you see that they've what they've done is they've done like a sexy radish. It's way too sexy. Why? Sarina? The final form? Like a sexy radish ballerina? This isn't us. This isn't us. People are like, oh, Josh and Tanner, they like fur They're doing like talking about this, the porn that always is all around the Pokemon games. It's, but like they've introduced like eight new sexy pokemon and it evolves from steeny when it's leveled up while knowing stomp and stomp feels like some kind of sexual thing they're just they know what they're doing all of that way too sexy serena's out of control i mean salazzle's out of control joshua mandibuzz come on you're right we have to go okay. we have to go but i have one other thing i need to talk about we have to do our jobs we have to do our jobs and it's Festival Plaza. and, and <laughs> What are you talking about? This week I was playing the game and I got distracted by something. I was watching TV or, or something caught my attention for a moment. And I think I must have tapped a button on the lower screen of the 
the 2DS. Yeah. There literally is still, to this day, I'm like 40 hours into this game or whatever. There's still, to this day, like little icons on the lower Rotom screen that still have the little like new flashing on it because I've never once opened them up to see whatever like tutorial it wants me to see. Oh yeah, me too. But I did accidentally tap one called Festival Plaza and got locked into a <laughs> 20 minute cutscene. Interactive cutscene that you have to do before you can escape the sequence. But what is where it? A guy called Sophocles. What? I was warped into like a special little pocket universe. There's philosophers now? I mean, it was like Dante's Inferno. I was warped into like a little pocket <laughs> universe and this guy called Sophocles is like, welcome to hell. Like, welcome to your hell. <laughs> This is a place where, like, friends are going to come visit you, except they're all NPCs, and you have to, like, give them compliments. And if you do that enough, like... No. You earn some new kind of points that you can spend on, like, stuff in here, in your pocket universe. Please come by any time. Good stuff. um, I don't know. I I honestly, the second it gave me the option to leave, I was like, I'm out of here. Like, never again. (laughs) Did that happen after the trial? Because I had to just boot it down. I had to power it down as soon as I was done. No, no, no. I think I was like training, you know? And I just avoided this. Okay. I just tap some button. I don't want to do that. I'm going to try to avoid that. I think that's it, right? Anything else you have to discuss? That's it. Got it all? Uh, totem tally, I guess. Is that what you mean? I'm in like the 30s, I think. 32. I think yeah, I'm at 29. You have this this gap that I don't know where it came from. Hard work, I think. There's like two or three that I missed somewhere, and that's a nightmare. Hard work and like talent, I guess. Sort of raw talent. <sighs> um, anyway, we got to go. We got to go to work. Bugcatchers, thank you for joining us so early in the morning. Now we know what it feels like to be listening to us this early in the morning. It must be a nightmare. <laughs> Please do rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and do follow the show everywhere that you follow podcasts and do follow us at expsharepod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also check out the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash bugcatchers. And you can buy some merch Ooh. at expsharepod.com. Joshua, we're getting some we're getting some calls for some um Legendary livestock merch. Yeah, I responded. People are hungry for it. I responded to that thread this this morning, uh, actually, because I was like, and speaking of with with Daniel Dockery earlier, I just don't think that we could pull off legendary livestock without getting sued. <laughs> yeah, we just get how wiped can we off depict the any of, the of them? <laughs> I don't know how to depict Miltank and Tauros and uh, Mudbray in a way that you could tell what they are. And that they're from Pokemon without Pokemon Company. Nintendo just would like find a way to like stomping us. Make sure history forgot the podcast ever oh, happened. Yeah. You know, but it's a great idea. So we can't do that. But it was a really good idea. Yeah. But we do. Uh, here's our our weekly reminder to ourselves that we do have some other new merch that we need to just actually upload. <laughs> yeah. But it won't be that. No. Because we we just we're just trying to make a living. You know, we can't get sued yeah. by Nintendo. We're not the guys to take on the giant. And frankly, if someone else did, we probably wouldn't even be behind them. No, that feels dicey Too for risky. us. Too risky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Joshua. Bug catchers. Alola. Alola. Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>